Bukar Tov, we are continuing Sefer Shemuel Bet. We are in chapter 19. Yesterday we see as David is starting to return from, uh, where was he, Machanaim, or in the east, somewhere on the eastern side of the Jordan River, back to Yerushalayim, there's a conflict happening in Israel, or there's a discussion whether they should let him back or not. They ultimately agree to let him back. At the same time, he sends into the he sends to his messengers the Kohanim that are in Yehuda, and he tells he tells them to convince the people of Yehuda to let me in. It won't make any sense for you guys to not let me in and to be the last ones to let me in. So they they uh, they agree and they send the delegation to come bring him back in. At the same time, along with the delegation that's bringing David back into Yerushalayim, a few characters show up. The first one we see is this character. Shimi ben Gera, who all of a sudden has become very contrite. He's very uh, looking for forgiveness, of course, because the power is tilted uh, against his favor, you know, in the favor of David. So now he's begging David, please, uh, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then Avishai, the brother of Yoav, says, let's kill the guy. And David says, this isn't the day to kill anyone. So he tells the person, he tells, uh, he tells Shimi that you're not going to die and he swears him, he swears to him that he's not going to die. Okay, so that's where we're up to. And now we're going to see another character show up and ca- supplicate David uh, as he's returning to Yerushalayim. Pasuk Mephiboshet, the son of Shaul, comes before the king. And he didn't uh, like make, he didn't like shave, I don't know what. Translates it, he had not bathed his feet and had not trimmed his mustache, he had not lauded his clothes from the day the king left until he had returned. So it seems like he was mourning. So I don't know, Rashi, that's the Peshat, right? That he didn't clean up, he's been in mourning since David left. I don't know, Rashi, like, velo asara glove. I'm not exactly sure what it means. He says it's, they didn't remove hair that's between his legs. I don't know how much of a, of a, something that, like, why is that? I don't know. Okay. So, he comes, and he's clearly been in mourning, which is proof that what? It's proof that Mephibosheth actually felt for David, because you can't fake a two-year-old beard, or a one-year-old beard, or a six-month-old beard, Right? It's something that takes time to grow. You can, there, there's no way to fake it. So if it's that long, and you could see that it's that long, that it's the length of a beer that would have taken however long David was away, six months, let's say, uh, six months to grow, then you know that the guy was genuinely mourning from the time David left Yerushalayim. And why wouldn't he? This guy was reliant on David to have him take the portion of Shaul. The estate that belongs to him from his father. It's kind of like David who's keeping Tziva in check and making sure that Tziva, the servant, is actually serving the master, Mephibosheth. So all of a sudden, if David leaves, it puts Mephibosheth in a precarious position. So it is only natural that he would have been genuinely scared and sad by the fact that David was exiled. Okay, and that's Mephibosheth. And he comes all in these rags, he's mourning and all this to, to the king. And the king says, why didn't you join me? Why didn't you come with me? 
Why didn't you come with me if he pushed it? Now, there's something problematic with the way David is talking to him. Because he says, Lama lo halachta imi. Why didn't you go with me? Now, the Peshat is probably that he means, why did, weren't you on my side? He's accusing him of, not having, of having been on the rebellion side, which is, why would he assume that? Because that's what Siva told David. The servants already told David that Mephibosheth has joined Avshalom, hoping that he's going to get the kingdom back. Very unbelievable, but that's what Siva said. And David believed him. And then David gave Siva everything that belongs to his master. That's why Siva all of a sudden is going to show up with wealth and like, like no other, right? So, uh, so, so he asked, why didn't you join me? Why did you stay on the side of the rebellion? But the way David asks it is, Why didn't you walk with me? And it's such, a, it's such an ironic question to ask. It's a question that, that you could, that, that it, it kind of betrays a certain level of ignorance on part of the person who's asking. Is it because he's crippled? Yeah, the guy is crippled. <laughs> the guy is crippled. Why didn't you walk with me? Yeah. Because I'm a cripple. What do you mean, why didn't you walk with me? No, I, I, I don't mean why didn't, you, why, didn't, why didn't you join me? But why wouldn't David, why wouldn't David realize that, that there, is, like, there was a physical constraint that was lo- blocking Mephibosheth from showing up and maybe David isn't privy to the entire story? Like, why is he just assuming that Mephibosheth, why is he assuming that Siva was honest? And then he questions a cripple, why didn't you walk with me? Isn't that ironic? Okay. And he says, my master, the king, my servant, he tricked me. For he said, your servant said, I'm going to go on the, the donkey and I'm going to ride it. I'm going to go to the king because your servant is a... Uh, is a thing is, um, is crippled But instead of going to the king On my behalf And telling, telling you that, he's, that I support you In my place Because I'm crippled What did he do? He, he lied to the uh, uh, He lied about your servant Meaning me To the king To you but I understand you, the king, you're like the angel of God, and you could do whatever is good in your eyes. I don't have any requests. So Mephibosheth comes, he says, Siva tricked me, Siva lied. He took the donkey because I was a cripple, and he said he's going to go and show support for you, but he really ratted me out. And all that being said, even though it's all Siva's fault, Whatever the king does, you're like an angel of God. Uh, whatever you, do, whatever you find good in your eyes, you shall do. For to be honest, to be honest, the reason I'm not I have no expectations, Mephibosheth says, the reason I have no expectations is because my whole family were people that were after your life. And instead of finding, getting retribution from me. You made me one of the people who eats on your table. What can I ask for else as a justice? And to cry out more to the king. Meaning Mephibosheth's final plea is a very, very convincing. And it's kind of heartwarming and saddening at the same time. That he's saying, look, from the beginning I had no expectations from you. My only expectation is that you would kill me. Instead, not only did you not kill me for what my family did to you. 
you made me a part of your table and you supported me. Now my, my, my servant lied and he, he, uh, he um, threw me under the bus, but I still have no expectations. Meaning whatever you do, whatever it sounds good in your eyes, I, I accept. Now if I'm David, I'm kissing this guy on the forehead and I'm giving him back everything and I'm saying, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize. You're a cripple, I should have understood, you couldn't make it, and it gave your servant an opportunity to trick you. This is a servant that already was holding all of your assets before, and I know the guy is a, is a, is a shady character, I, I shouldn't have believed him. I'm going to make a pronouncement that everything that he has gotten from you belongs to you, and that he's going to be sent to prison, we're going to find you a new servant. That's what would have been just. What does David say? Why do you keep talking? Amarti, I say, you and Siva should split the field. Even if you took, even if he were to take all of the field. So long as the king has come back in peace to his household, I am happy. Thank you for giving me half. It's fine. It's more than enough. So Mephibosheth is this tzaddik. I, I don't know. The story frustrates me. I, I, I don't like the story at all. Uh, but the Chachamim also frustrated them. If you look in the Midrash, he says, He says, At that moment when David made this pronouncement, a voice came out from the heavens and said, The descendants of David, Yerovam, and Rehavam, uh, not descendants, who was descendants, just Rehavam. Uh, Rehavam and Yerovam are going to split the kingdom. Meaning because of the sin that David had, did towards Mephibosheth in this incident, in two generations, the kingdom of David is going to be split and it's going to be the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. That happens in the book of Melachim. Okay? Which is like the beginning of the downfall. It's, it's when all the issues begin. It's the, the division of Am Israel. It's not good. It's one of the worst things that happened in Israel. Is the division of the Malchut. And this is all because of the sin of David in this case. So the Chachamim and the Midrash also see this as a negative thing. It's not only me. But it just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's one of those stories that this whole thing with Siva just frustrates me so much. And it's one of those stories that really, really like hurts me. But... Do any of the commentaries uh, view Siva in a good light? No. Everyone is in agreement that Siva is a... I haven't seen any commentary that views him in a good light. I don't know how you could feasibly do so. I know. I'm saying... David didn't. David... David just lost... lost, He just lost patience with the whole thing. And then he's let them split it. He doesn't know who to believe. He split it. But like... I feel like the evidence was obvious. The guy has a six-month-long old beard... Clearly, he was mourning for you. Okay, whatever. Uh, remember Barzilai Giladi? Who was Barzilai Giladi? When David went to the eastern half of the Jordan River, there were some men who were there. There was Itaya Giti. There were Barzilai Giladi. These guys, they brought David provisions and they supported him while he was away, right? And we were, we were actually very impressed by that because these people, I think we said these people were from a city that historically was a Benjaminite, a favored city. So the fact that they would support David so much was a nice thing. Um, 
But Barzilai was one of those people who were supporting David with provisions when he was running away from Avshalom. Barzilai comes down from Rogelim to cross with the king the Jordan River to send him off uh, to the, the uh, past the Jordan. This man Barzilai was very old. Ben Shimonim Shana, he was eighty years old. And he supported the king when he was in Machanaim. For he was a very wealthy man, Barzilai. King says to Barzilai, You come with me. And I will support you with me in Yerushalayim. And Barzilai says to the king, how old, how, how many years do I have left that I should come with you to Yerushalayim? Right, David says, come with me to Yerushalayim, I'm going to support you. I'm going to pay you back for what you did for me. I don't have any, how many years do I have left? Now this is, the, the following Sukim are actually very, very interesting and famous. Because they're unique. You'll see what I mean in a second. I'm 80 years old today. Do I know the difference between good and bad? Do I even taste the things that I eat at this age? And that I drink? Can I even hear the sounds of singers, men and women singers? Why should me, this old man, be a burden to you, the king? Granted, I could enjoy myself in your palace, but I don't have the senses to enjoy physical pleasures at this age in life. So I could come to your house and enjoy the physical pleasures of being in the king's court. But I'm too old. What I have nothing to, there's nothing for me to enjoy. I, I can't even have the... Why should I be a burden if it's like, uh, you know, it's like bringing someone who can't hear to an orchestra. Like, that's what he's telling him. He's saying, hey, bringing me to your house would be like, like uh, bringing, uh, I don't know, like a, a blind person to a, show, to a movie or something, you know? So like, what's the, what's the relevance? Why should I be a burden like that to you? So there are two interesting things in this pasuk. One is that he says, I've seen commentaries use this pasuk to try to interpret what the Etza Chaim, Etza Da Tovara is in Sefer Bereshit. Very, very interesting comparison. Um, Some say that here means, do I still have sexual ability? Do I still have a, like a sexual drive? I don't know. I just know that it's uh, because uh, it's the same word as the wording. That's all. Tovara. It's a. There aren't that many places in the Torah you see the words Tovara in the Tanakh. So this is one of the places you see the word Tovara. So a lot of them people try to use it to understand what the Etza Da Tovara is. But it's also interesting to note that he mentions. I don't know what this means, but that he mentions. Can I still listen to the voice of singers, male and female? I don't know if it was culturally accept- acceptable in their time to listen to females sing, but he seems to be saying it as if it's something like people did. So it's another interesting nuance that I've seen brought up by some modern, he's not, he's not Jewish. some modernists. He's, he's not a part he of is tribes. Is Gil-Adi. I mean, he's from Gilad. I think Itaya Giti was potentially not Jewish, or I think Barzilai is Barzilai Jewish. Is, okay. <laughs> so that also, this, just when the fact that he the, says that. hear the singing of men and women, I, I pictured it as like he's half deaf. 
I know that, that is, that's exactly what he's saying. But I'm saying the fact that he says, I can't even all these singers that all, all of us people go to to enjoy the men and the women singers. I don't hear them anymore. I can't enjoy them anymore because I'm half deaf. But the fact that he's saying that, it seems to indicate that culturally they used to listen to men and women sing. Maybe it was men drowning out the sound of the women. I don't know, but but uh. But it's just an interesting detail because I, I know it's brought up by a lot of more modern people who are trying to say, oh, we're being too strict and this and that. I don't, it's not pro- it doesn't prove anything because you don't learn halakha from, from verses like this. But it's just something of note. I, uh, I could barely cross the Jordan River with the king. Why should the king give me all of this good? Let, my, let your servant me, let me come back, go, go to my city and die in my city. In the, in the grave of my father and my mother. But my son, your servant, he is going to come with you and you could do good to my son, Chimham. Okay, so he said, I have nothing to gain from you, the king. But if you would allow my son to join you and you could, you could support him, then it will be greatly appreciated. So the king says, Sure, Kimham could come with me. And I'm going to do what's good in your eyes to him. And anything that you choose from me to do, I will do for you. I'll do for your family. I'll do for your son. And all the people pass by, they cross the Jordan, and the, and the king crosses as well. And as he's leaving, because uh, Barzillai joined him to cross the Jordan, as it, once he crosses, he kisses, uh, the king kisses Barzillai and he blesses him, and Barzillai returns back to his place. So overall, this ca- character, this Barzillai character, is definitely a very, very positive character. I, li- I personally like him a lot. He seems to be a very intelligent old man who... Who has a lot of resources and I just like that that kind of person. Um, so let's uh, okay, we'll continue with Zarchan tomorrow, Baruch Adonai Lulam, Amen. Amen. Amen.